And we are back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. I'm Kevin Bowen. Chris Presley across the way. July, about halfway done. Training camp should be approaching shortly. Boy, um, this is where I usually get butterflies. This is uh, excitement builds for me. Every year, mid-July, I, I still have the same sort of excitement. I probably have a little nervous butterflies as well, just with all the uncertainty that uh, comes along with life in 2020. But uh, I'm, I'm eager to see what happens, Chris. You know, rookies are supposed to report July 22nd. Veterans, is it two weeks from today? 28th, yeah. I want to say? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we are uh, – this is where a normal off season, you'd be getting your last party in end. You'd be having your going away parties at the uh, at the revels across the United States of America, uh, because it's 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 report time, and um, obviously we'll see what happens here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and you talk about the uncertainty of 2020. What's the certainty of the defensive line for the Colts this year? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into the defensive burning questions today. We did offensive burning questions last week. Um, we're gonna talk. I guess special teams as well we're going to throw in there, I believe, um, and then get into Twitter questions. One last thing before we get into the burning questions. Shout out to my brother, getting married on Saturday. Congrats. Yeah, Ryan Bowen and his uh, lovely fiance, Kristen Kremp. So talk about a chaotic time Yeah, to be planning a wedding and then try and execute it. So we've certainly dialed it back from an attendance standpoint, um, but uh, very happy that they will be able to celebrate in their day so uh shout out to them and hopefully everything goes uh goes well it's been some exciting times here in the last couple of weeks for the bowen boy bowen family yeah i mean colleen bowen falls out of bed crying in the morning that's just kind of her uh her emotional state <laughs> as a, as a human being and 2020 has been quite the year for her so uh yeah she's a new grandmother about to welcome in a new da- daughter into uh into her family so uh yeah it has been a uh, great year for the bowen family it, it, 2020 isn't all hell there are some uh, some some awesome moments, and uh, we will see that on Saturday night. Awesome. So, All you- right, defensive burning questions. You hit on it. The future of the defensive line. I think it's the deepest position group on the team. Um, I don't know if it's got the best front line talent. You probably wouldn't say that. You probably go to offensive line, maybe running back, maybe linebacker. But I think in terms of depth, Chris Ballard has gotten to a point now where he talks about playing in waves. Seven, eight, nine guys. Okay. I can I can see that. There is a picture there that, that I can see. But here specifically, what is the future of the defensive line? I think we'll find out a lot about that this year, next spring, 2021 season. Mm-hmm. We know DeForest Buckner is the centerpiece. That's right. who you're building around up front. Um, and I believe he signed through hell it's like 2024 i mean it's 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 deep i mean he uh you know signed that massive extension but now who joins him you know justin houston contract year at the age of 31 to nico autry contract year north of 30 you know grover stewart sheldon day al Qadim muhammad they're all in contract years and then what we've talked about several times this offseason those young second rounders you know the taekwon lewis's and the Kamoko Turres, you know, they're now in year three of the four-year rookie deal. And then Ben Banigou is one year behind them. So this is a group that you know, so many people are like, man, you know, could the Colts take a San Francisco-type jump this year? This is the position group that in San Francisco, it's the best in the league. Absolutely. In Indianapolis, what is it? Mm-hmm. 
Is it middle of the pack? It, last year it was one of the poor groups in the league, honestly, especially from an interior production standpoint, hence the reason they went out and made Buckner as big of a priority as they did and trade away that, that 13th overall pick. So um, some guys need to emerge. You know, you, you, you need, okay, Terry is healthy. He's a great edge rusher. Tyquan Lewis looks like a versatile defensive tackle that, you know, Chris Ballard really liked coming out of Ohio State and traded up for. You know, Chris Ballard doesn't do that often. No. Corey yeah. Willis he's trading up for. Jonathan Taylor is trading up for. Tyquan Lewis he traded up for. So, um, can you get clear answers on those guys? I think that is a um, that's a big question for that group this season. So, talking about guys that need to emerge or could emerge, what do you see when you go to that linebacker core out of a guy like EJ Speed? Yeah, and you know what? This, this isn't the most pressing linebacker right. question, but it's something we haven't really talked about. We've talked about Anthony Walker mm-hmm. versus Bobby Okereke endlessly on this podcast, so I wanted to give EJ Speed some love because – it's it's a fascinating story. You know, he's the fifth-round pick that um, if COVID would have happened in his draft class, he doesn't get drafted, point blank. The Colts didn't know who he was a month before the draft. Like, think about that. You don't even know the guy is. And then a month later, you're spending mm-hmm. somewhat of a pick, a fifth-round pick. I mean, that's notable on him. So I just think when they look at speed, they – um. They absolutely love the athletic traits. You know, it's Darius Leonard-like of his length and his speed. My question is, where does he factor into playing time? Right. Um, I believe last year he played 33 snaps, I think it was. And, like, virtually all of them came in one game. And that was when Leonard was out. They were a little bit banged up. So, that's not a lot. I mean, 33 defensive snaps is two a game. So, yeah. It's not like he was on the field for a whole lot from a defensive standpoint. He, he, he did play some special teams. But I think what you're getting at with him is just, okay, you know Leonard's going to be on the field and it's not coming off the field. You know Walker and Okariki are pretty much going to occupy those other two starting jobs. And obviously I put starting jobs in quotes because, you know, who knows how much you utilize a third linebacker. But it's just difficult for me to see exactly what the role is for speed. Um, could that lead to, you know, Anthony Walker leaving in free agency? Like, I'm not I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. but if Speed can establish himself and he is more athletic than Anthony Walker, yes, he's not a Mike, but if Okariki becomes your Mike and then EJ Speed slides into maybe a Sam role, even though they think he's kind of the natural will, which is what Linder plays, I, I just feel like he's kind of the forgotten draft pick out of this defensive group from from a couple years ago. I agree with that. What's up, Cheeks? Um, So, yeah, I think he, uh, we don't, you know, he's not Rocky Scene. He's not Kari Willis. He's not Banagoo, Ture. We don't give him a lot of attention. And it's going to be difficult for him to find consistent snaps on the defensive side of the ball. But still, he's one injury away from all of a sudden having potentially a bigger role. And his development... It probably has the highest ceiling. I mean, he was a offensive player in high school. I think at Tarleton State where he went, I think he played offensively early on there as well. So he's still very young, still very raw yeah. in his defensive background. So, uh, yeah, he's he's a name that I just don't want to totally write off yet. So you mentioned already in the podcast uh, 
we kind of know a little bit more about the defensive line and the linebackers, but on the back end with some burning questions defensively, outside of Kenny Moore, who joins him with the Colts this season? You know, Chris, I think this is similar to what we ask about the defensive line. You know you're building around Buckner. In the secondary, you know that Kenny Moore is going nowhere. I mean, Kenny Moore signed the, what, four-year extension, I think, last offseason. So, I mean, he is your guy that, that you're building around. But now it's... Well, Malik Hooker isn't necessarily a long-term piece, slam dunk, right in Sharpie marker. And I guess there are long-term pieces here, like Rocky Seen, you would think, obviously. Kari Willis, you would think, obviously. Julian Blackman. So maybe this is more of a question of, like, who emerges with him? Because I think for the secondary to take a jump, you need another guy or two to become... You know, Pro Bowl level, maybe the aspirations are a little bit too high, but an above-average player at his position. And that falls into, okay, Xavier Rhodes is into that group. Rock Yassine is obviously into that group. Marvell Tell, if he emerges as well. You know, I think a storyline that we haven't really touched on, and, you know, if everything goes according to plan and camp starts on time, we'll get into some position battles on future podcasts uh, to watch in camp. But I still believe that Kenny Moore is a starting corner in your base defense. And I'm talking base, three linebackers, four defensive backs. So if Kenny Moore is one of the outside guys, who's the other outside guy? Mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes, I'm pretty sure, has never, here's my double negative, never not started a game in the NFL. Former first-round pick. I mean, that would be a bit humbling to come off the quote-unquote bench. Yep. And Rocky Seen played the most snaps of anybody on your defense last year. Is it those two guys for the other outside corner spot? And then obviously when you get in your nickel, the other guy would would be that third corner, and then you'd slide Kenny Moore inside. Where does Marvell tell? Factor into that as well. So maybe it's not so much, again, who is the future. You know, Rhodes is on the one-year deal. Hooker's in a contract year, so those two guys maybe not. But again, Willis, Blackman, you know, Tell, Rocky Seen. It's more of just who can emerge. Because I think secondary is probably the group that we have. Concerns too harsh of a word, but there's some uncertainty. There's some prove-it nature to that group, probably more so than linebacker, definitely linebacker, and maybe defensive line. Putting you on the spot just a little bit here, because Xavier Rhodes to me is so intriguing yeah. as a question mark this year. What would you consider a solid year out of him on that one-year deal? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, First, let me rant about the Pro Bowl. Xavier Rhodes was a Pro Bowl choice last year. Kenny Moore is not even an alternate. Right. Go watch Xavier Rhodes play football last year. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Cheeks could have you know completed a little digger out on him. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was ugly football. So, it's just <laughs> that's my little Pro Bowl rant. But basically, what I'm getting at is, you know, he's All Pro in 2017. All Pro is a legit award, and then. He's only a Pro Bowler name recognition. You know, he's not a Pro Bowler at all. Besides that, he struggled big time, according to him. Really, at the point of attack, he feels like he was there, in position to make plays, and just didn't come down with them, or didn't you know, the whole moment of truth. He failed. So, um, what would be an acceptable year? What would be? I, I mean. I think if we could play like a consistent peer to Seer, I would sign up for that. To me, he's got the higher ceiling than to Seer, but the floor is a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. So I 
I don't have these grand expectations for him. In an ideal world, either him or Rocky Seen would step to the forefront of, here's Devontae Adams. You know, here's Adam Thielen. I'm trying to think of the other top wideouts the Colts play this year. Juju. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins no longer in your division, so you don't really have that guy that you would shadow like Pierre Desir did. But basically what I'm getting at is, can Matt Eberflus feel comfortable with a long corner shadowing an opposing wideout? I think if he could get to that level, I'm not expecting Pro Bowl. I'm not expecting all pro. But the Colts made a, a decision of saying, later Pierre Desir, and hello, Xavier Rhodes. He just can't. I mean, last year, Pro Football Focus had him rank like 115 of corners. I mean, I didn't even know there were 115 corners in the <laughs> NFL. You know, it's just, it, like just get to average, slightly above average, competent, you know, because corner play, when you start losing it, I mean, you get it. I mean, Greg Toller, remember that? I mean, yeah. man, you get exposed quick. So, um, it is a big question. I think it's one of the top ten questions of can the Colts be a playoff team. It's what do you get out of Xavier Rhodes? Another big question and one last unit of this team that we've not touched on yet is special teams and who the Colts kicker is going to be in the year 2020. How about that? As I get a good stretch in. <laughs> I got a great stretch in the other morning in the basement where I'm working during quarantine life, and I stretched so hard I fell out of my chair. I mean, the whole chair falls. <laughs> I'm like, that's a great stretch. Oh, it was such a great stretch. I'm like, dude, you got a one month old. You can't be doing that. And I mean, hell, if I'm hitting my head, I mean, you know, if I'm not screaming. They're, they're not finding me until, you know, sundown potentially. That's dad yoga. Just a good stretch is that there's your yoga. Thank you. I, I needed to feel better about myself after that. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Um, Who will be the kicker of the Colts in 2020? There's no more. Um, Volatile position, anxious position than college football kickers. You, I I mean, you talk about anxiety. Why? You imagine if the college football extra point was as long as the NFL. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you, you never are sure that someone's going. No, to, you, you you know in the NFLs there's sometimes where it's like you got to use the restroom or want to right. you know, change the snack bowl. You can pop yeah. in and out. Go grab a beer in the concession stand. College yeah. football kicker? No, uh, no. No, I mean, IU had a great kicker, then all of a sudden they benched him like late. In the, I mean, it was just, um, boy, college. And then, you know, they're DMing your girlfriend, they're death-threatening you. I mean, it's it's bad news. Colts, they've got a couple options here. Vinatieri, obviously free agent. We'll get into him in Twitter questions. Blankenship and McLaughlin. Um, sounds like an opening act you'd see at Ruoff. Um, I, I like Chase McLaughlin. Um, I think I've talked about it before. Chris Ballard loves his routine. Very routine-oriented guy, I think, with his work ethic. And then literally like his pre-kick routine. It follows, you know, a pretty um, consistent script, if you will. Yeah, it doesn't have an eye-popping leg. It, but I don't think Blankenship has some, like, gun of a leg either. I don't think he was known as, like, 60-yarders or 58-yarders. I'd have to look up his stats at Georgia. But, um Nice little battle. And to me, it'll be interesting, Chris, because, you know, if, if you have a shortened preseason, and I would never thought I'd be debating this, but here we are. If you have a shortened preseason or no preseason, potentially, sure. could you really go with Blankenship over McLaughlin? 
Never kicked in an NFL game. Never even kicked in a preseason game. I know he's kicked in the SEC, but still, NFL's a different world, people. I mean, you're kicking for your job. Money, money. Mm-hmm. Um, He'd have to have a hell of, like, practice sessions. And McLaughlin would have to fall yeah. off a cliff almost. Because, right. I mean, Chase made all his extra points last year, made all his field goals but one, and the one field goal's off the upright. You know, it's just uh, – it'll be interesting to watch uh, play out. So, yeah, I mean, charting kicks uh, has not been something I've done at training camp, but um, it'll be something that I'm definitely doing this year. Well, to that point uh, of the kickers, you want to jump into some, to some Twitter questions? Yes, yeah, and we had a lot left over from last week, so we didn't ask for any new ones. We'll we'll get back into that next week. Um, but, yeah, we probably had a couple dozen here left over and some people that DM me throughout the week. So let's jump into them. Because the first question does relate to the kickers. Mark wants to know, he saw that Vinatieri put his house on the market. Will we see the Thanks for the Memories banner soon enough? Oh, wow. Right out of the gate, we're going here. Yep. Um Boy, uh, yeah, I mean, nothing like the real estate watch. You know, it's a popular uh, coach, you know, oh, boy, coach has put up his house for sale or, you know, Matt Overton, the real estate agents, you know, having this house on the market. I don't, I don't know if Adam went with Matt Overton or Joey Gaines, the people's realtor, uh, who who he went for here. But um, I believe Mike Chappell mentioned that Vinny's just moving to Zionsville. So nothing drastic. Carmel to Zionsville. You know, Carmel a little too big. We're going to slide over to Zionsville, maybe. I, I don't know. Hickory Farms, the new golf course, Hickory Woods, whatever it's called. Maybe he's going there. Will we see the Thanks for the Memories banner soon? That is in reference to, obviously, Adam Vinatieri being on the side of Lucas Oil. Mm-hmm. He is on the I-70 side of Lucas Oil right now. I believe it says something to the effect of, like, NFL's all-time leading score. I think that's what it says right now on his banner. I would assume Thanks for the Memories, yeah. I, I would. It's weird. I mean, we're again, we're two weeks from training camp, and the Colts haven't made one public comment about Adam Vinatieri. Like, Adam Vinatieri hasn't been a Colt in four months. Right. I feel like, does do people understand that? Like, he's been a free agent for four months. Um. Yeah, I, I Blankenship and Chase McLaughlin, right? Yeah. And then I guess everyone wants to talk about who should go on the side of the building. Uh, feel free to end, uh, chime in, Chris, if you have anybody here. Um. Leonard and Nelson seem like no-brainers to me. Yep. They're your all-pros. That's who you're building for the future. Hilton has been on the side of the building for several years now. Deserves to still be on there. So you got one spot left. I mean, you got to go your quarterback. I don't know if you have to. I mean. In this town, though, don't you have to? I mean, who else? I mean, uh, Kenny Moore, uh, that was my only other thought was Kenny, but yeah, yeah I guess I think you're right. You go with, Phil. Uh, yeah, you're right. You go Phil. I, I I think you do. I mean, last year you didn't even put Brissett up there, did you? You had Hilton and Vinatieri, and then I think you had like a Colts logo and then like a 30-year. I mean, that's when you know you're not going to have a good season. <laughs> when you're like putting up logos, and that's when you're like, God, we need better talent. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Mark, I think you're on to something there. Kev, a question from Costa Rica and one of your uh, loyal listeners for over two years, Blopa. That's where my brother was going to do his honeymoon. Yeah. Costa Rica. So they've, so they've changed it a little bit. I think they're just doing Michigan. But uh, Blopa, we might have to contact you for some inside info. I was going to say, or some money. You got you got an extra room, you know? Yeah. Smart. <laughs> Airbnb action. Right. 
Uh, knowing Chris Bauer's philosophy on building from the trenches, do you think it's possible to draft a tackle in the first round and move Smith to guard, which is his natural position? You know, Blopa, I, I think we're getting to the point now where what is Braden Smith's natural position? I mean, the dude started a right tackle now for, hell, nearly 30 games. What, he took over week week five, I think it was, his rookie season? I mean, that's 11 games, and then he's played however many this, this past season. So, yeah, I mean, nearly 30 games at right tackle. I mean, yeah, he started probably... 35 or 40 at right guard in college, but like we're starting to get to a point now where he's pretty natural yeah. at right tackle. So um, you know, this is a popular question that we get of people wanting to move Braden Smith. He's solid. Like he is a solid right tackle. If you have a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle and a solid right tackle, you're top five in the league with what you have at a tackle position. So I'm not trying to, you know, if you, okay. So that means you're going to draft a tackle in the first round to play the right side, and yet you've got this left tackle who will then be in a contract year, and yeah. it's talked about retirement. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not doing it. Um, and I also think about the future at guard because I think people are like Bench Glowinski, Danny Pintner. You know, I mean, he's supposed to be this guard mm-hmm. moving forward. I think he can be a starter at some point in this league. So, yeah, I'm not doing it. I think Braden Smith gives you a. a, a solidness at right tackle, if that's such a word. Benji wants to know what or who is the Colts Hill that you are dying on. His is Reese Fountain. <laughs> Benji asked good good questions. Um, the Colts Hill that I'm dying on. I, I still don't think Deion Kane should have been traded. You know, I, I think that is a, uh, I guess that's a hill that I will die on. I think there's some potential or at least, I wanted to see more in my own building, in my own uniform, if I were Chris Ballard. I don't think that you needed to do that trade. Obviously, I thought Vinatieri should have been benched uh, last season. I've said that on numerous occasions. Um, what else? Anything else I'm missing? I guess he's going with a specific player on the roster. No, my, mine, was Vinny. That... mine was Vinny. Mine was Vinny. Yeah. When it gets to a point where you're watching a game, and like we said earlier in the podcast, you're contemplating, is this going to go in or not? And immediately, there were some games last year where I was on a delay, and I would mm-hmm. flip my phone over face down. Oh yeah, because I knew the friend group thread of, oh my God, why is this guy still kicking for us? Would go off if he did miss it, and yeah. I didn't want to ruin watching it and, and get aggravated. I do that. You know, I was streaming the golf on Sunday. I had Justin Thomas um, to win a nice chunk of change, and he's up three to three to go, and I. Tell my wife, hey, hey, we're looking good, and I'm. I mean, well, <laughs> might as well just. I mean, could I? Cur- I mean, what was I thinking? Yeah. You know, and he makes this bomb in the playoff from 50 feet, and I turn my phone over because I'm like, the other guy, Colin Morikawa, had a putt to extend the playoff, and I'm like, the stream. I think someone might text me. Morikawa makes it, and I lose. Sign not to gamble. Or just bet more this week on the memorial. Yeah, just double up. You'll yeah. be fine. Right. Christian's a huge fan of the podcast, Kevin, and I he just that. wanted to know with Mahomes signing a five hundred million dollar contract at the high chance of the salary cap going down next year, should the Colts regret trading for Buckner with the chance that Chris Jones could become available? You know, Christian, hindsight in twenty twenty is so frick hindsight in twenty twenty is literally twenty twenty. Yes. I didn't even think about it before I said it, but um I mean, I'm sure if 
the NFL might like to have changed the CBA up a little bit before they agreed to that a week or two before the pandemic. I mean, so many things you can think back to. Um, I, I feel like the Chiefs seem somewhat confident they can still get something done. Now, you know, as Christian alludes to, who knows what the salary cap w- will look like. I will say this. Chris Jones is a hell of a talent and, you know, was a huge in the Super Bowl. I almost feel like Buckner checks a few more boxes for the Colts. Tad Younger, um, more of the character leadership element in him. Like, there's just a, you know, Jones might be the outright pure better player, mm-hmm. but, like, durability, younger leadership, there might be a couple of boxes that Buckner checks. And you can debate, well, who the hell cares about that stuff? But, again, to the Colts. The Colts do. That means a whole lot. So, um, yeah, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say that, you know, who knows if Mahomes is going to sign this sort of deal that he did this offseason. I mean, yeah, that's that that's tough for me to uh, to really try and – no, oh, my gosh, what were the Colts thinking? I can't go there. Tanner hopes all is well. Thanks, Tanner. Yeah, same uh, to you, Tanner. Besides the obvious Peyton, Reggie, Vinny, who will be the next to get inducted into the Colts ring of honor? You know, that is – um. We've had a couple Tanners. That's not the most popular name, but it's good to see we have a couple chiming in here. Next in the Colts Ring of Honor. Well, I guess you know the first question that I've always had about the Ring of Honor is like, what is the Ring of Honor? Is it the Hall of Fame of Colts? Or is it the, man, the fans really liked you and you were kind of good when we were really shitty. Like, I'm thinking of Harbaugh. You yeah. know, like, and God bless the 12th man, but like, I mean... You know, is that like, hey, thanks for staying with us because our first decade here, you know, we would have lost to the Indiana Firebirds. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like it's one of those things where I don't know exactly what the definite like to me, the Ring of Honor is not the Hall of Fame. Um, Having said that, the recent trend has been the best players. So who does he say? Peyton, Reggie, Vinny. Yeah, those are all locks. You know, I know a lot of my colleagues bang a drum for Tarek Glenn. I probably bang a drum a little bit louder for Bob Sanders. Okay. I know the longevity was not there, and I, I do think longevity is like a prerequisite for the Hall of Fame. I, I personally think that. Having said that, um, Cheeks left. He just set up the cameras and got up and left. That's trust. That is trust. Um I mean, Bob Sanders, without him, you, you don't want a Super Bowl. And I think the fans love them. So I think it's like the combination of the fan endearment and then him as just a great football player, obviously with a caveat of when healthy. Um, So, yeah, Dallas Clark, I don't know. who. That's a good one. Yeah, I mean, who else? I, I don't know if I'm forgetting anybody. I mean, the whole luck debate will be fascinating. Yes, it will. You know, it's... I assume he'll go there because Ursay will just do it. But, like, again, I don't know if it's it's a slam dunk. He probably will. He probably should. But I, I, I could probably debate that both ways. That's a good question, Tanner. Yeah, Tart Glenn, Bob Sanders, Dallas Clark. Those are some of the, you know, after. So Peyton, Reggie, Vinny. Where's McAfee? Peyton already went in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of those have already been in, yeah. Reggie's in. Yeah. Yeah. Who am I? So, Vinny. So, I guess. 
McAfee. When's yeah, Pat going? I mean, yeah, that's. You talk about on the field, but you just talked about honor too, like with sure. the community and stuff like that. Yeah, and he was an All Pro. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine, but who knows? Maybe. You never know with it. Hey, <laughs> whatever Jim Mercer's thinking, you never know. Sure. Boy, if you can predict that one, <laughs> move to Vegas. A 2020 scenario question from Matt this week. Uh, Colts win the South with a good play from Phillip Rivers. Okay. We win a wild card round and then lose the second round. In 2021, we get to the AFC Championship but lose with still good play from the old man. In three years, is is three years out of the question for a man who got you to the cusp of the Super Bowl? Is it Eason or insert first round 2021 quarterback, sorry for the, the stumbles here, or one more year for Rivers? Before we get to that, Andrew Luck Book Club is tweeting, and this is Luck. He um, was promoting a book from Whitney Gathers, who I believe is the wife of Clayton Gathers. Okay. He spelled her name wrong. He pronounced, you know, it, it might be pronounced Gathers, you know, so he, G A E, it's G E A. So Andrew Luck goes, I! Exclamation point. Gathers, not Gathers. Apologies, Whitney. Come on, Andrew. <laughs> Couldn't you see him saying all that? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's great. Joey Molinaro voice with, mm-hmm. with with that right there. Okay, so he's saying divisional round, lose, and then the next year, AFC Championship, lose, and Rivers has played good football. Yes. Do you, do do I think a third season? Mm-hmm. Is a good one. Um, I personally am not doing three, but such a scenario is very intriguing, and I think the Colts would do it. My question is this, Chris. It's not so much of what Rivers looks like. Obviously, that plays into it a little bit. But to me, it's like whenever you find the next quarterback, point blank period, whenever you find him, you take the guy. You don't say, ah, now, man, let's wait. You know, there's that kid from, you know, Boise in 2022 that we like, or North Dakota State will have another great quarterback. Like, no. When you find him, you take him. Yep. Jordan Love, hello. Patrick, Mah- Patrick Mahomes, hello. <laughs> I mean, they had Alex Smith. Alex Smith got the Chiefs to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, I just think whenever you find that next quarterback, to me, you draft him. Maybe he sits for a year, and then you move on. So, potentially, but that would be tough. I mean, AFC title game, that would be tough. Um, Still, I'm all for, like, I don't know. I just I guess I don't see the ceiling as high. As Mike or Matt does here with uh, P. Rivers, as he calls him. <laughs> uh, Jason's asked if the NFL needs to cancel games and delay the season, are you concerned eliminating some of the easier games up front uh, in the front half of the schedule jeopardizes the Colts' playoff hopes? Yeah, Jason, it, it's a fair question. I mean, the, the schedule is front loaded for sure. Mm-hmm. I basically think the NFL is at this point, like, and unfortunately, I mean, the pessimism around college football, it, it does not sound great at all about them playing the season. The NFL is desperately, desperately going to try to play 16 games. I mean, they know how much that means to a revenue standpoint. So, and they can they can flirt, you know, with that Super Bowl schedule a little bit. You know, they can push that back potentially a couple weeks. Yeah, maybe it hurts you slightly. I mean, like we've talked about, the Colts have that schedule where you feel like 5-2, and two, something around there, would be a great start before that kind of gauntlet happens with Green Bay and Baltimore and some of those divisional games. Um, 
Did you see Ursay's email to the season ticket holders on Friday? I did not. So, you know, we talked on last week's podcast about, like, where are we at from a ticket standpoint? Have they gotten updates? So he fired off this um, this email, and he mentioned that some of the league restrictions on it as well. Modified preseason schedule. Reduced stadium capacity with CDC social distancing in there. Tarps over the first eight rows. Food and beverage experience that minimizes person-to-person contact. And that's pretty much the main ones. My, my question is this, and something that I was asked on the morning show yesterday when I went on there. If I were a player, I'd feel pretty safe with fans in the building. Like, you don't come in contact with these fans at all. Mm-hmm. The fans go in, oh, hell, either, you know, maybe that you don't put them all in one entrance, but maybe you do that. That seems like the time wouldn't be great on that. But, like, player fans don't even know where players into the stadium. Like, it's a very secretive entrance. And you never come in contact with fans. And if you can't sit them in the first eight rows, you know, theoretically, maybe you don't put them in the lower bowl. That seems a little too aggressive. I mean, the Indy 11 had fans Mm -hmm. on Sunday night or Saturday night. For those that don't know, it's kind of a minor league soccer team here in in Indianapolis. What are they? NASL, I think, is their league, something like that. Um so yeah, I, if I were a player, I would not have. Now, obviously, you know, getting more than ten thousand in the stadium would probably be greedy. Baltimore said fourteen, and that's with a much bigger stadium than than Lucas Oil. So, you know, I, I think ten thousand is is doable. To be honest with you, again, socially distant, and I don't think the players would be too up in arms. But I mean, as I say with all these questions, who the hell? I mean, what the hell do I know? How upset is Xavier Rhodes and some of these other guys that? They can't exchange a jersey with former teammates after the game. About that. What an what a just utter joke. I mean, you imagine like the NFL sitting in a meeting being like, watch this, the optics of us telling the players they can't swap jerseys. We are doing everything we can to practice safe habits. No. <laughs> These guys are grabbing each other all game, spitting, bleeding on each other all game, but yet they can't hand each other a piece of cloth. Yeah. And then go wash it after the game. God bless the NFL. Tyler's question for the podcast this week, what was the best Colts game you have ever been to and why? And to add on to that, he wants you to know that he lives in Oregon, and you'd be surprised by the number of Colts things that you see a lot of people wearing, Colts gear and stickers on cars. Keep up the great podcast. Wow. I would be surprised by that, Tyler. Um, The Colts have not had many Oregon Ducks. They drafted a kid by the name of John Boyette. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you remember that name. 2013. He turned out to be um, one that Ryan Grigson, like many Ryan Grigson draft picks, one that uh, Ryan doesn't want to talk about anymore. I believe Tiki Bob's arrest sounds somewhat familiar. I think he went to Denver, got arrested there. Um, Hard-hitting safety, John Boyette. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised by that, Tyler, but good to know. Um, I've been to Oregon once. Beautiful, beautiful state. Best Colts game I've been to. Colts Chiefs playoff. Game 2013, January 2014, for sure. Uh, the fourth and two game in 2009, Patriots Colts regular season game. Didn't cover that, but that was um, I was still young. I was a sophomore in college. What else? Peyton's return. Peyton's return certainly for the atmosphere. Great call, um, and actually it was a pretty good game if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. The 
The Mathis strip sack, in my opinion, is probably the loudest I've heard Lucas Hall. Either that or after the T.Y. touchdown against the Chiefs. Probably the loudest I've heard. And, uh, yeah, if you want to know how much that meant to Robert Mathis, watch his reaction after that sack. A couple of other games. I've always mentioned Colts-Packers. The first game, Chuck was sick for in 2012. Uh, Reggie Wayne Orange Glove game. And in a, in a, an under-the-radar game I don't think people talk about enough was Luck versus Russell Wilson here in 2013. The Colts blocked a field goal in that game, returned it for a touchdown. I think it was Delano Howell, former Stanford Cardinal, Andrew Luck's teammate. Um, that was a great game. T.Y. had a big game on Richard Sherman. Uh, I think Seattle had either just gotten to the Super Bowl or maybe that was their Super Bowl year, one of the two. Um so yeah, those are some of the games that come to mind. That that Lux rookie season had some. Yes, it did. I mean, so many comebacks and just not a team that you felt like should be in the mix. But uh, that that was a fun season to uh, watch some entertaining games. I think it was 0-3. I went to the game where Favre and Manning were just trading touchdown passes. Yeah, prime time. Yeah, huge first quarter. Huge. Just back yeah. and forth. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. That was fun. That was fun. To, yeah, that fun. is a good game. That's a game that um. Boy, yeah, when you, when you go into the Peyton era, I didn't go to a ton of games in the Peyton era, but, um, yeah, fourth and two would be mine. But there, there are some definite unbelievable – obviously, you know, if I would have gone to the Tampa Bay game on Monday night, oh you know, that would have been – been atop the list. Clyde's question this week for the podcast is Packers-related. Um, after the 2021 season, Packers decide they want to break ties with Aaron Rodgers. Would you trade two first and two seconds? If not – would you be willing to trade at all, and what would you offer as a fair deal? Yeah, I'd probably be willing to trade for him. Obviously, that means you aren't falling in love with any quarterback here in the next couple of drafts. But the biggest thing for me is, could you guarantee me five years of Aaron Rodgers-level football and no retirement? And I know it's impossible to probably answer, but like I would need that guarantee. I would need it. And then also, can you handle it from a cap standpoint? Rogers going to be making a pretty penny. Mm-hmm. Boy, two ones and two twos is a, a lot. That is a lot. He's a damn good quarterback, though. And I know some people might be like, well, Kevin, this goes against your kind of long-term quarterback thinking. I think you make exceptions to the rule. And, again, if I could get five years of Aaron Rodgers' level play, I mean, we're talking all in. No, no, no drop off. None of that bull. None of you know. I don't talk to my family, Aaron Rodgers. I don't talk to my Colts fan. No, no, no. I need you locked in. Two ones and two twos is a lot. He can bring Danica back to Indy. Mm. Great call there. Great call. I'm a big Danica fan. Um, yeah, I'm doing it. But man, that's a lot. Whew, whew. Makes me scary thinking about it. Jason wants to know what non-quarterback, non-Aaron Donald player would you grab if given the chance? Salary cap ramifications not part of the equation, so long as the rest of the roster remained unchanged. Wow, great question. Non-quarterback, non-Aaron Donald. Um, Julio, Cleo Mack. It, it wouldn't be like the most important thing, but I love watching Christian McCaffrey play football. Absolutely. I don't think it's like an absolute must. Those other guys mean a little bit more. Michael Thomas, I don't think he's a flashiest guy, but you wake up and it's like, oh, 10 for 108 and a touchdown. <laughs> Ho-hum, week in and week out. 
Who else? You got any? Jokingly, but kind of not. Justin Tucker. Oh do you man! Do you solidify the kicker again oh, for another yeah. ten years? Justin Tucker is a, he is a great kicker. <laughs> and talk about making some bombs. Yeah, imagine him indoors. That all the ball time. pops off his foot. Yeah, I mean Hopkins, Stephon Gilmore, probably if I'm thinking defense and thinking non-pass rusher. That's a good one, Jason. From David, from David, why do they hate SEC players? It's funny, David. Obviously, I assume with they, he's referencing the Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, I have thought about this. Like the Colts don't have that many SEC football players, and I should say they don't. They haven't drafted, especially under Chris Ballard. Correct. I'm trying to think. Correct me if I'm wrong. If I miss any, but Brain Smith, obviously Auburn. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anybody else taking in the first. Definitely three rounds, maybe four rounds. Again, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Jordan Wilkins, a fifth rounder out of Mississippi. Uh, Gary Green is a sixth rounder last year out of Mississippi State. I mean, they just don't. I mean, Ryan Kelly was a Grigson draft pick out of Bama. Justin Houston went to Georgia. Danico Autry did go to Mississippi. Or did he go to Mississippi State? Maybe his brother did. I think he did. Um yeah, they just don't. I mean, you know, I've never thought about it until I read the question. Right, and, and I trust me, I've thought about it like once or twice. Um, yeah, I just it's interesting. I don't know how many. I mean, how many teams do you think you can look back on the last three? Well, I guess Quincy was it was an SEC yeah, year, Florida. Um, but the last three drafts, I don't know how many teams you would only see two SEC players in the first four rounds, considering how many picks the Colts have had during that span. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's almost like the SEC would be a good fallback, you know? Swag, I guess swag is an sec year. <laughs> yeah. Trey Burton went to Florida. But, yeah, again, draft picks, not many, David. From Mike, next year's first-round pick, let's say the Colts are drafting between 19 and 26. What position do you take, cornerback, safety, or offensive lineman? Next year's first-rounder in that range, probably none of them. Um, I mean, maybe a left tackle, possibly a corner, but I mean, again, I, I still fall back on quarterback. That to me now, 19 to 26 isn't the ideal range. He's, he's locking me in here. Um, I don't think I can trade up. So I guess if you're going to make me choose out of those three positions, Mike, probably an order corner tackle safety. Okay. With the current roster, what would you predict the Colts' record to be with last season's schedule? And that's from Irvin. Irvin chiming in as usual. Thanks for the question, Irvin. Last season schedule, this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does it play out the same? Does the O line stay healthy? I ten and six. Well, like seven and nine last year. Ten and six. Is the kicking game better? Jeez. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think right around there. You know, I I think a big thing that. Chris Ballard mentioned this briefly after the season. It's something we probably don't give a lot of credence to. Let's let's look at Frank Reich, okay? Two years into this. Ten and six, seven and nine. So what's that? Seventeen and fifteen? Mm-hmm. Obviously luck, no luck. Um I think a thing that Ballard doesn't love 
is that he feels like the Colts are a momentum team. Think about it. 2018, they start off 1-5. and Then what do they do? Win 9 of 10 to end the year? Yeah, 9 of 10, get shut out in Jacksonville. It's the only loss. And then this year, this past year, start 5-2, and and then lose, what, 7 of 9 to end the year? I mean, that's like... So one and five, nine and one, five and two, seven and nine, like or uh, not seven and nine, whatever you were to end the year, uh, two and seven, like that's a lot. That's a streaky. Yeah, the streaks are. You know, and it's weird because it's not like you had this quarterback playing five games and get hurt, and then come back and playing ten. Like it's not like you've had this quarterback injuries within those seasons. So. um Obviously, 2018, I think you can point to the health of your offensive line, finally getting healthy. But, um, yeah. Malka wants to know, why does Ballard treat Brissett differently than the other players? He's harder on the other players and quick to replace them. If they don't perform, Brissett has had two subpar years starting, but Ballard still raves about him as being great. Is he building him up for a potential trade? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, trade valued, no. I, I don't think so. I think backup quarterback means a whole lot, and I think they're a little bit, I don't know if worried is the right word, but uh, they're protective of Brissett's psyche. You know, they aren't afraid to publicly call out other positions on this team. No. But quarterback, it's kind of kid gloves, which is interesting because, you know, all you hear about is how tough he is and and, and, and things like that. Um Quarterback's ego is a little different too. I mean, you got to be very different Whoa. with how you speak about your quarterback. I I, I would agree with that. Um, certainly, much more in the public light. But to me, it's just kind of like, can you not acknowledge that he hasn't played well? I mean, like, if you truly believe Jacoby Brissett was going to be a starter in this league, I don't think you would have gone after this band aid, Philip Rivers. If you think he can be a starter, continue to grow and develop, why are you stunning his growth by putting him on the bench? Now you've told Jacoby Brissett twice, and obviously with luck it's completely understandable, that he's a placeholder. Right. You know, I mean, that that will say enough to his ego than anything else. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer for why he is kind of treated differently than, than um, some of the other guys. Question from Captain Everything. What is the plan to make the back end of the pass defense better in 2020? I think it's what you did at the front end, you know, to be honest with you, Chris. I think it's throwing DeForest Buckner in there. Um, If you improve the pass rush and now the timing is not as quick, not as in rhythm, that can, in turn, make your back end look a whole lot better. I mean, from a personnel standpoint, they didn't do a whole lot in the secondary. It's you've drafted a lot. You want those guys to grow. And then it's Xavier Rose for Pierre Desir. That's pretty much what it is. So um, I don't think you're going to see all of a sudden an abundance of man coverage be played, which I, a lot of people, including me, would probably like to see or at least more of it played. But I think it's more so of what can you find in the pass rush up front. Aaron wants to know, if the Colts have a subpar year, do you see Iberfus or Sirianni being fired? And if so, is either one more susceptible to possibly being fired? Saw Nick Sirianni yesterday. Um, he's a good guy. Um, if the Colts have a subpar year, do I see either of them getting fired? I, I, probably not, to be honest with you. Um, and if so, is either one more susceptible? 
I would say Eberflus, but Chris, this one is tough for me because it, it's weird. Ballard hired Eberflus. I mean, that was the McDaniels hire. Yeah. And if I'm Reich, man, I don't know if I would just – should I just be happy to be a head coach? But, like, I would look at it as I've got one crack at this. One crack at being a head coach in the NFL in all likelihood. I mean, is Chuck ever going to be a head coach again? I don't think so. And, I mean, Chuck had a over 500 record. So it's it would be tough for me of going to Ballard and being like, I want to pick my defensive coordinator. Or is do you look at it and be like, well, I was the eighth option to be the head coach here. I should just be happy I'm the head coach. You know, it, it's 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 tough. Um, Sirianni, it's one of those things where it's like, what could he do to be fire? I mean, he doesn't call the plays. Yes, he's heavily involved in game planning and handles a lot of meetings, but I don't think he would get fired for... I don't think a Sirianni firing all of a sudden means that that's the difference between this football team being 7-9 and nine and 11-5. and five. Like, I don't think that would be it. And he's the right guy, obviously. Yeah. And Ibraflus is not. Um, so I would say, like, Ibraflus if you're going to make me pick. But again, I think it's awkward. And I think they really like Ibraflus. I, I, I do. I don't think the results of this defense don't lead to how much they like Ibraflus. That's fair. I am totally confident saying that. The Colts have not been a good defense under Matt Eberflus. But they like him better than what those results say. So that's why I don't know if, like, maybe if they were terrible 30th and everyone was healthy, that would be like, all right, we have to do something now because we're four years into this and we're not making the play, you know, something like that. But um, I think the Colts really like their coordinators. Brian's got a couple questions for this week's podcast. Does Rob Windsor make the roster as a rookie? Okay, let, let's start. Let's stop there. Okay. I had Windsor off my fifty-three man roster. I did in the spring because I believe in Taekwon Lewis. Maybe that's ludicrous. Maybe it's not. But I kind of look at Grover Stewart, Sheldon Day, as kind of the bigger body defensive tackles. Um, but yeah, I think Windsor is right. He's right on that edge of like. Well, you mentioned how deep it is. I mean, yeah, it, to... it it is deep, but he's right on the edge of like, should he make it? Or should he not? Who's a surprise cut this year with at least a 25% chance of it happening? Every time I hear these questions, I cringe. I'm just like, oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, Surprise cut with 25% chance of happening. I I like that caveat. Health-related Trey Burton. If if he's totally injured or just isn't at that level, um, yeah, maybe he gets cut. Could Clayton Gathers re-sign? I would say small. You know, it would probably take an injury. The one thing about Gathers, though, is he checks the character box. He does. I mean, again, there's a reason Andrew Luck mentioned one defensive player in his retirement press conference. That was Clayton Gathers. Like, he means a lot to people in that locker room. So that's why I'll never rule it out. But at the same time, there's a reason he's been a free agent for four months. Max has a fun hypothetical for you this week. This obviously won't happen, but if Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP in the Super Bowl this year and retires, is he a Hall of Famer? Hopes all is well and loves the podcast. Well, thank you, Max. Uh, see, this is where we get into what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. You know, but the long, I think longevity matters for a Hall of Famer. If Mahomes wins the Super Bowl and MVP this year and retires, he'll have played four years of football mm-hmm. in the NFL and started three of them. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Yes. 
No, I I, I can't put him in the Hall of Fame. Like I I, can't, I I mean, some will disagree with that, but four seasons, starting three of them, like, yeah, I just can't. I I there there has to be a longevity component to me. The game of football, there's a durability factor. Like, can you withstand the physical nature of that game? Not a lot of people can. That's why it's so rare. And if you can reach six, eight years, I would change my opinion. But, yeah, I mean, you don't even get to the end of your rookie deal? Yeah. I'm sorry. Mahomes a flat-out stud. Flat-out stud. But, no. There's your Chiefs ring of honor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Patrick wants to know, if Cam Newton only cost the Patriots a million, why not take the risk there instead of paying 25 for Phillip? And possibly have a quarterback for several years, several years, and spend savings elsewhere potentially on Clowney. You know, Patrick, it's a fair question when you look at the money. I mean, it's an astronomical difference between the two. But where's Cam at health wise? And in COVID time, you couldn't get him in here to do your physical. I don't think the Colts really ever flirted around the idea that much. But I think that's was the scared factor of all of this is. For Cam to be Cam, he's got to play the game of football in a very linebacker type way. And he's he's got to be 30 or close to 30 by now. Have you seen how much he's been posting on social media? Like the like, I don't follow him, but enough people retweet him that I'm like, wow, he's, this is interesting. It is totally a uh, an ex-girlfriend scenario. Like, mm. I'm going to subtweet this. I'm going to post this. I'm going to show you all my workouts just so mm. I know it's going to make its way back to you. I want you to see that, that you messed up. Subtweeting. Yeah. I mean, it can get a little dicey. Um, that's awkward. It's, it's very awkward. It's like, okay, do I have to see another shirtless Cam Newton working out right. video of him exhausted telling yeah. me why he's still going to be great? Dude, stars are weird. It's like this Victor Depot thing. Like, it, it, I feel like I'm watching an episode of The Bachelor. Watch this, ABC. I'm going to gather Victor around and be like, hey, you got to act like you're going to go home. Go home. And we'll bring it back two episodes later and everybody will be locked in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God. Give can the drama rest for a second, people? Cam injury concerns, total shift for the offense. Could he really play multiple years? Like, is there a guarantee that he's going to play multiple years? I, I, I don't think so. And it, the whole aspect of not being able to do the physical, I think, really hurt. Yeah. Colts fan and Cincy is if there's not a preseason, which players on the bubble of making the roster hurt most by the lack of playing time? Rookies. Yes, rookies, undrafted guys, and then guys that have yet to prove themselves in the league. Like, I hate to say it, but Reese Fountain. Like, guys that have not had much in-game experience are hurt by this. You're going to go with guys that you trust a little bit more. So maybe you go with, you know, Marcus Johnson over Reese Fountain. Marcus Johnson's done it in games. Right. Reese has it. Like, that That might be – it's all, it's all going to come down to who do you trust. Flat out. Who do you trust? And there's nothing like earning it in a game, even a preseason game, if that's all you know we're going to get here in the month of August. So, uh, yeah, that that's how I would group them. From Keith, the Colts are jazzed about Blackman, but he's so light at 187 pounds. He jokes that I've tossed dwarfs bigger. I've I've tossed dwarfs <laughs> bigger than him. Can he hold up at that weight? I laughed at that, Keith. Um, 187 is kind of light. Yeah, I want to say Kari Willis is 
over 210. I think he's in like the 215-ish, 213-ish, something like that. Um, I will say watching Blackman, he plays bigger than his size. And he, he'll be the free safety. You know, it's not it's not going to be like exclusive, Kari Strong. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about moving forward, I guess, after Hooker. But um, I think he'll mostly be in coverage back end. Yes, he'll come up and he'll be a sound tackler and and – and um, it's not like he's going to be thumping it 60% of the snaps, 70% of the snaps. So I'm not too concerned about it. Honestly, Keith, I'm more concerned about just can he, can he uh, get back to full form after the ACL. Less about durability. Another fun question. This one's from Cody. The year is 2037, and Lucy Luck and Rosie Bowen have become best friends. Oh, my God. How are you spending time with your new best friend, Andrew Luck? Jeez, Cody. What a question. I can't believe, you know, Rosie Bow is, is one month old. And um, she's got 215 months left till she's an adult. <laughs> You're not counting down at all. When you break it down like that, doesn't it seem like it's short? Or does that seem long? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I hear 215 seems long. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like the one month flew by. But, yeah. So I, you already got all the month. I mean, I guess you can you do easy math. But how long are you going to go? Are you going to be like, oh, my kid's... 84 months old oh no yeah we won't do that we won't do, i didn't even know we had one of those blankets that where you like put them on the blanket and you put oh them yeah one, i didn't even know we had it until my wife pulled it out the other day it's big time uh i think you stop at months once they get a year old i don't know some people eight, yeah some 18, people throw out the 14 like 18, months yeah. and i guess year and a half so i would refer to 18 but i don't yeah. These are things you have to think I about. Know. And I'm just, I couldn't have been more dad cliche with the <laughs> comment of, man, the first month has flown by. I'm like, geez, give me my newspaper to read this morning. Um, okay, 2037, Lucy Luck and Rosie. When was Lucy Luck born? Last fall? So she's eight, nine months older than my daughter. Um, well, this is what I'm doing. Andrew and I are best friends. Is that is yep. that what Cody's saying? Uh <laughs> You know, we're driving to 2037, so that's what the year's 2020 right now. It's 17 years old, so maybe we're driving to you know some volleyball match or soccer game or whatever. Uh, and I know Andrew is giving me a book to read. I'm reading Spark Notes. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure that I can with I can hold my own in a conversation with him about you know 17th century Egyptian pyramid building. I I don't even know about 17th century, probably earlier than that. But uh, yeah, I am. If Spark Notes still exists, yeah, I'm 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 cramming. I can see you guys going on a college campus tour, and you're like studying architecture because you know he's going to be breaking down like what the building's frame is and all that stuff. I would literally just be like, "Oh yeah, nice brick." <laughs> you know, just... is Luck still here in 2037? Is he raising his family here? I don't know. It, nothing, nothing with Andrew shocks me. He's so no. he's so different and unique that. It would not shock me. It would not. That's a great question, Cody. Thank you for that. From Steve, uh, Kevin, congrats on Daddom. Looking forward to hear more stories on the podcast. He's wondering which AFC South Colts opponent this year scares you the most, which team bores you the most, and which team mystifies you the most and why. Thanks for all the hard work. Wow, that's a great one, Steve. Send in more questions. Scares me the most. I'll say the Titans only because the other team that I'm going to mention, you've thrown out a perfect word that describes them. So I'll say the Titans. I mean, I, I, I've said this before. 
it's four straight winning seasons in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Like that's hard to do in the NFL. And in my opinion, they've got the best coach in the division. I think Mike Vrabel's a damn good football coach. As do I. Um, I know I've talked about it before. If it wasn't Josh McDaniels, it probably would have been Mike Vrabel early on. And those players love him. Love him. Love him. And that's a huge pre prerequisite to me. So uh, I'll say them bores me, obviously, Jacksonville. The only thing entertaining Jacksonville is Shad Khan's mustache. <laughs> that that pool. Yeah. If the pool's still in, you know, form, hopefully social distance. You can you social distance that pool. And I, I love when they play in London. I do. I think it's just funny. And I love a 930 football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, mystify me would be uh, Houston. And that's why, like, Houston could be scary because they have the best quarterback. But mystify is like, I mean, what the? F- yeah. <laughs> what are they doing? Even last year it was like, we're going to trade Clowney. But then we're going to trade for Laramie Tunsil. Like, we're going to sell, but then we're going to buy. Mm-hmm. It was like, what? Are- and now they're trading Hopkins and, yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, Bill O'Brien's a unique GM, mm. to say the least. Yeah, that is a good one. From loyal listener Scott, if we have limited to no fans in the stands inside of Lucas Oil, do you think that helps Rivers feel more at home considering what he's come from with the Chargers? <laughs> How many games over the league season do you think the limited fans will change the outcome? Scott, Scott, Scott. Yeah, Philip hasn't played in front of a home crowd in quite a while. Some might argue what San Diego's crowds look like, too. Um... It's a good question. I think it's hard to answer. You know, I don't – it's tough playing on the road in the NFL, but I don't view it as like playing on the road in college. You know, those crazy atmospheres in college. It, it's just not the same. Um, But having said that, I still think it's like one or two games that could impact it. The weird thing about the NFL is this. Like, the NBA is about to do a bubble with with no fans. These guys play five-on-five five in front of nobody all the time. You never play a game of football in front of no one. Absolutely. Never. You know, LeBron and, and Kuzma and all them at L.A. Fitness or wherever in L.A., they can go play five-on-five. Five. Is it the exact same as 18,000? No, but they are at least playing their professional sport and can do that really at any time. You are never playing 11-on-11, 11 11, certainly never strapping on pads. Unless you're doing it in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. So, it'll just be weird. Yeah, some of these guys, you know, EJ Speed probably didn't play in front of the biggest crowd at Tarleton State. But, you know, a guy like Ryan Kelly is probably used to playing in front of some big old crowds yep. consistently. And he's a Cincinnati kid. And they they love their, you know, high school football. I mean, he's used to playing in front of crowds. So, um, I'm curious. It's a hard question to answer. I go back to what I've said before. I think the self-motivated nature of the Colts will uh, w- will help. It will, I think. A couple more questions left. This one's from Lucas. He wants to know who will be the Colts' defensive MV- MVP this season. Leonard and Buckner should be the front runners, he thinks, but guys like Kenny and Houston could be as well. You know, Chris, the fact that he named four players on the defensive side of the ball shows you how far that unit has come from a personnel standpoint. And, like, I don't laugh at any of those four. I probably wouldn't put Houston on there. But still, I mean, like, he was a Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. should have been a Pro Bowler last year. Um, I think it's Buckner. You know, MVP, again, I take it literal. Most valuable player. What was the Colts record without Darius Leonard last year? Two and one, something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe even better than that. Um, 
Yeah, I, I just think that Buckner just has a trickle-down effect on every unit. But again, that's a good thing for your defense. you got legit candidates. Jumping to the offensive side of the ball with a question from Trenton. We always talk about how Rivers is going to get better again. What happens if he continues to regress this season? What would be the next? What would be next for the Colts regarding quarterback? Well, Trenton, it, you know, listeners of the podcast know full well I'd be all in on a draft pick in 2021. Having said that, I don't think the Colts would necessarily put all their eggs in that basket. I think they would want to talk Brissett into coming back, which some people will have turned off the pod if they haven't already. Um, hearing that, but like. Seriously, I mean, he's 28. He started in the NFL before. Like, I could see them doing that. Um, do you try and talk Brissett back into, hey, man, uh, because because you have to think about it like this. Let's say the Colts go, um, okay, he says Rivers regresses. Let's say they go 7-9. and nine. You're drafting 15. That's not a guarantee that you're going to get that quarterback. Mm-hmm. And do you want to start that quarterback from day one? I do, but maybe they won't. So, do you try and have, you know, some backup plan? There's no guarantee you, you can trade up and get your guy. But would Brissett be like, oh my gosh, are you guys doing this to me for a third time? I get it. Like, we're friends and you think we can date, but I mean, come on. Like, we've tried this before. <laughs> it hasn't worked. Obviously, with the recent news of contract extensions, that has uh, got some of our listeners wondering about Quentin Nelson. Frank wants to know, or Frank actually has a statement. Oh, he says we signed Big Q to a 10-year extension, but then also wants to know what your thoughts are. Give it to me one more time. I say we signed Big Q to a 10-year extension. What do you think? This is going to sound harsh, but I'm going to say hell no. And I love Quentin Nelson. I'm not signing anybody, any non-quarterback, to a 10-year deal. Quentin Nelson can go... Tears ACL getting rolled up at training camp and never be the same player. I, I'm no, I'm not signing any non quarterback to a 10 year deal. I'm not, let alone an offensive lineman who, again, more susceptible to injury than just about any other position on the roster, probably outside of running back. So, um, <laughs> you give Big Q the fat five or six year deal and you let him be a stud like he is and continue to be a Hall of Famer, but no, I'm just. Offensive line's too risky. Nothing against Quentin. I mean, he's the poster child for what you would think of a 10-year deal mm-hmm. if, you, if you were going to throw it out to somebody. But mm-mm. kicker, quarterback, that's all I'm giving 10-year deals to. Justin Tucker, give him a 10-year deal. Okay, well, let's stay there on the, on the, the fat deal that you just talked about because Matt wants to know how much is, Nelson's, is Nelson worth in extension money. He thinks at least $20 million a, a year. Yeah, Matt, that's something we touched on a little bit last week, if you missed that. I mean, that's probably right around there. Maybe a hair high. But highest paid guard. And what, you know, Zach Martin got six years. I think six has kind of been the longest for an offensive lineman. Maybe I'm missing somebody. But, yeah, I'd be giving them. And that gets into um, our guy Chuck last week, you know, going back about the Nelson thing. Why do you pay a guard that much money? Um, but, yeah, I would say – where did we look up Brandon Sheriff last week? I mean, Zach Martin was six for eighty four, so that's six divided eighty or eighty four divided by six is sixteen, fourteen, fourteen, yeah, fourteen a year. Um, man, twenty is really high. That's a big jump from fourteen. Yeah, let's go eighteen. Okay. COVID factory. <laughs> last question this week comes from Wyatt. 
is it even possible for someone who hasn't had a breakout year before like Ture to win comeback player of the year? And if so, let's say he has 13 sacks. Is it plausible? Well, Wyatt, I feel like um, comeback player of the year, while there's no like restrictions on like who wins it, I feel like it only goes to injured guys. And obviously Ture was injured, but like, I mean, A.J. Green, Matthew Stafford, Big Ben. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you imagine if you made, you know, go tell Peter King to name the top 20 comeback player of the year candidates, Ture wouldn't even sniff the lit. Like, he's just not a household name. Like, who else? I mean, Cam. Yep. You know, I mean, there's there's plenty of guys that – so I, I feel like it's more of just the higher profile guys. Um. 13 sacks would be a lot, though. I'd love it. Yeah, that would be a ton. So, um, yeah, I just think it's higher-profiled guys at more positions of importance. You know, Luck won Comeback Player of the Year. I mean, that's, you know. So, yeah. Thank you for the question, though, Wyatt. Awesome. Well, that wraps up the Twitter questions from this week, Kev. Cool. Um, next week, we'll get back into asking uh, for some, you know, live-ish ones, if you will. And um, I've got a Zoom call tomorrow. Deal, de- detailing a little bit about training camp, so hopefully we'll have some answers for you next week. And I know rookies report a week from Wednesday, so maybe next week's pod we wait till Wednesday. I again, fluid is the name of the game right now, so let's just see where we're at. But um, we'll be back next week, no matter what. Pacers pod, try and squeeze that in next week as well as we talked about. Although um, Oladipo's really. <laughs> Really uh, making things confusing. So uh, we'll see how all that plays out. But for Chris Presley, Kevin Bowen, Cheeks, everyone have a great rest of the week, weekend. Ryan Bowen, Kristen Kremp cannot wait for Saturday night. Congrats, guys.